How many of you guys, does anybody not have power? Still no power, right? Few of you. Okay. Yep. We lost it for like five minutes. So sorry, those of you that are still without it. Uh, the church is out for a while, and so that's kind of thrown things a little bit. Uh, we no longer have a projector up front that's working. So uh, those of you that sit in the back row, because you like being in the back row, uh, this morning you're actually going to be in the front row, because the only projector that's working is back there. So we're all going to turn around in a minute uh, for worship, and uh, usually I'm in the front row today, it's to be in the back row. Uh, one of the things that we do here at TLC every night, sorry, my name's Torn. I'm one of the pastors here. And one of the things that we have the privilege of doing, uh, or that I have the privilege of doing, is something we call Real Talk. Um, real Talk is just uh, every now and then, uh, when it feels like the Spirit is telling us um, to just kind of cover uh, an issue um, that maybe has kind of uh, been, been in the news, or something that we just feel like is, is worth addressing. Um, I feel really conflicted this morning even to share some of this, to be honest, because uh, what I'm going to talk about uh, has some political connections, and I'm not a political guy, I don't like talking about politics, uh, and I also know that we've got very diverse views in our church. Um, this past week, uh, President Trump made a couple of tweets that made me a little bit uncomfortable, uh, because of the fact that my son is black, uh, my brother is black, the fact that um, one of our elders here at church has adopted a, a child who's a refugee. And uh, I started asking myself, like, how do we talk about some of, this, some of these things? Uh, and the reason that I was even thinking about it uh, was because of the reality um, that we have super diverse views. Uh, I, I have a friend uh, who was invited to our church and he came, and uh, I think it's probably the one time that I had mentioned something about um, President Trump. It was uh, with regards to uh, a point in the sermon that particular morning. And uh, he was super offended and, and, and didn't come back. Um, I care way more about seeing people on my block uh, know Jesus and fall in love with Jesus. Uh, I do think that there are times that the church has to say, like, hey, uh, I, don't, I don't think that that's what we want to pursue. But here, here's the reality. Uh, whether you are um, really conservative in your political views, whether you find yourself uh, generally really uh, progressive in your political views, uh, Democrats and Republicans in our country um, both, in many ways, are getting it wrong. Uh, on the one hand, I think we see that there is a real intense grab um, or push towards power, to, to be honest, the Make America Great Again idea. Um, we've been working through Philippians, right? And we literally called this series The Pattern, because we want to pattern ourselves after Jesus. The whole book of Philippians revolves around chapter 2, where it talks about how Jesus used his power. And it wasn't to make himself great again. <coughs> Excuse me. It was actually to serve, to care for, to pour himself out for those in need, which is what he did for us. Uh, I don't think that that idea uh, is actually in line with the pattern of Jesus. I will also say uh, that the desire that many progressives have to throw off. Uh, um, 
any ideals except for how maybe you feel or what seems right to you uh, also flies in the face of the radical obedience that Jesus demands of us. And, and, and so I'm not here to knock whether you like Trump or like the, the four congresswomen that you tweeted about. Uh, I don't really care about that at the end of the day. What I care about is Jesus. And what I care about is how the church together collectively engages. Uh, we're in chapter four today, and there's a ton in chapter four. Uh, it's our last week in Philippians, and I can't talk about all of it. Uh, I'm really going to be focusing on a few verses, but at the very beginning, uh, it does say this. Chapter four, verse one says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. And then he says, I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women, since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Um, Euodia and Syntyche had some sort of an issue. We don't know what it was. Could have been political. Could have been a business deal going bad. Could have been something that happened relationally between them. But something was happening where they were in conflict. Woohoo! And... Paul says, I plead with, and he says, I plead with each one individually to be of the same mind. He says, because they contended alongside with him for the gospel. Look, there's only one thing that Paul wants to fight for. Paul wants to fight for the gospel. And so, friends, if you're a part of this church, I implore you in the name of Christ to take whatever political leanings you have and however passionate you feel about those, and place them under your passion for Jesus. Because at the end of the day, that's what matters. Our identity is not in the fact that we are Americans, or if you are not an American, uh, you're here on a visa or something like that. Uh, um, awesome. Like, I don't care about that. I'm grateful that I'm an American. I, I truly, like, I, there's no other country I'd rather live in. But my Christian <laughs> citizenship is way more important than my American citizenship. And it has to be that for us. And so I implore you, whether you find yourself on the right or the left, to put aside the bickering and the arguing, and if you're going to fight for something, don't fight for a political position, okay? Fight for the gospel. Let's contend together for the gospel. Let's say that knowing the pattern, the life that Jesus lived, we are going to try to live that same life. We're going to encourage one another and care for one another. And yeah, we're not going to agree on everything. In fact, quite honestly, I wouldn't even want that. The reason I wouldn't want that is because then you don't need more of you or me. <laughs> we ought to be different, right? We all have our spheres that God expects us to walk into. But we will always place our citizenship in heaven first and foremost. Friends, that's uh, what we just like to call the real talk. Sometimes I think we just need to talk about some issues uh, that are around us. Now, uh, I'm excited uh, for what we're going to do today. Okay, And if I just offended you, hear my heart. That's not, that's not what I want to do. What I want to do is hold up Christ. I want to say he is better, he's worth it, he's worth holding on to, he's worth pursuing, and I think what we're going to look at this morning will even help us uh, with that. So, uh, what you're going to get this morning, that was sermon number one. 
<laughs> uh, you're going to get servants two and three uh, in just a little bit. And then we're going to spend some time uh, unifying ourselves with one another and with Christ as we take communion. As we say, Jesus, you are truly what I desire and what I want to move towards. Uh, I want to pray right now. Uh, Jesus is here. He's here right now. Our God is powerfully present, and he desires to meet with you. And so we're just going to simply uh, ask uh, that he would show himself to us, that we would be open to saying, God, what do you want? And we're going to pray for the leadership in our country. That they might, with soft hearts, move themselves towards the pattern of Jesus for his glory. Father, you are here right now. And we pray for our president. God, we know that his job is difficult and hard. Uh, Father God, uh, we all have our weaknesses. God, uh, we pray for our congressmen and congresswomen. We all have our weaknesses. But Jesus, we want, especially as the church, to rise up and say we will pattern ourselves after you. And we will spend our strength, our power, our resources on those in need, that the gospel would move forward, that people would understand who Jesus you are and what you have done and the life that you offer. And that we would be unabashedly, unashamed to say, we follow you. And that our citizenship is in heaven. And that's what we desire, is to see people from every tribe and tongue and nation bend the knee to worship you. God, may you allow us to do that this morning because you're worthy. We love you. Thank you for loving us. Help us to do our best to follow you, though, for your glory, Jesus. I was on the Renew Retreat this past week, and it was awesome. Uh, and uh, I'm contractually obligated to tell you that Evan Ellie and Jack Jolbisma are the two best Euchre players in all the world. <laughs> so, uh, had I won, and let me tell you, it was way closer than they will tell you, okay? Uh, they would have had to say amen every time I pointed to them, and that would have been amazing! So, uh, so anybody have a secret family recipe that like only your family has. My wife has all these family recipes, but she loves to share them, okay? But that's not the case for everybody who has a secret family recipe. When we lived in Chicago, Brendan and I were newly married, and that was uh, um, my first full-time job uh, at a church. I had been part-time while I was going to seminary uh, at a church in Ohio. And uh, then we moved to Chicago, and I'm like, like I grew up in Chicago when I was a little kid, so I love Chicago, and I love being there. And there was this family in the church that kind of uh, adopted us, uh, kind of like their own kids. So uh, they had young kids, uh, but they were a little bit, you know, uh, ahead of us in, in age, and they kind of treated us as we were a part of their family. They would have us over for dinners. Uh, they would invite us on outings that they were doing when they were having, like, uh, large family gatherings, they would invite us to come and, and hang out with that, and they just loved us. Uh, they were amazing, so kind, so generous, 
And uh, they invited us out. Uh, I can remember it was one of the first times we were there. And we got to the end of the meal. And, and uh, they're like, okay, uh, now we're going to have ice cream. And I was like, all right, that's cool. And then they bring out just vanilla. And now, like some of y'all are like, man, I love me some vanilla. And vanilla's fine, okay? But I'm a chocolate chip kind of guy normally, all right? Uh, but the vanilla came out. And then she said, oh, now put some of this on she had some homemade hot fudge sauce. That was the most amazing thing I have ever experienced. It was so, maybe not the most amazing, it was really good though. It was incredibly, incredibly delicious. And uh, we came over the next time and I realized almost every time uh, they had dinner with friends, you got vanilla ice cream and grandma's secret recipe hot fudge. And I was like, Ooh! like I was always excited to go over it. I can remember probably the third or fourth time I had it. I was like, Mrs. Perrin, uh, you need to give Brenda this recipe so she can make it uh, for us. And she looked at me and was like, honey, that's only for the kids. I was like, oh, dang, like, I found out. Like, okay, I'm this much family, but I'm not that much family, all right? <laughs> it was a secret recipe. She literally said, she's like, Grandma, great-grandma passed it down to grandma. Grandma passed it down to my mom. My mom passed it down to me, and I'm going to pass it down to my kids. And to this day, I'm still upset. In fact, I realized, uh, I, I, like, I'm not good at making food or any of that, but I'm going to figure out how to make an amazing hot fudge that can rival Mrs. Paris' hot fudge. I'm probably going to fail because it was so good. But that is one of my desires. Some secrets, though, are too good not to share. And this morning, I'd like us to look at a secret that Paul has, that he has found, that he isn't going to keep hidden. He's actually going to share it with us. Now, before we can dive into the secret of contentment, I want us to jump ahead in the text just a little bit. I told you we were finishing up our series in Philippians chapter 4. If you flip open to verse 10, or excuse me, verse 14, we're going to start there. I want to jump ahead and talk about one particular piece. Remember I said you're going to get sermons 2 and 3? Uh, this is the beginning of 2. Don't worry. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Uh, we've got folks that are walking around Bibles. Thank you, ladies. And they'll be make sure you get a Bible. You can follow along, pull it up on your phone, uh, your tablet, whatever. Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 14. Paul says this to the Philippian church, whom he loves. He says, Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Okay, because they brought him a large gift. This is one of the reasons he's writing them. Uh, they sent Epaphroditus to bring this large gift of money to help take care of him so he can continue to do the ministry that he was doing while he was there in prison to take care of his needs. He says, yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the minister uh, in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. In other words, it's like you guys have always been generous. You've always been generous. Even when you were brand new to the faith, you said, we believe so much in the gospel and how it's transforming our lives already. We want to support you, Paul. We want to give you some money so you can continue to do this and tell other people about it. He's like, yo, I've always been so proud of you for that. I've always thought that was so cool. He says, for even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts, what I desire is that more be credited to your accounts. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. 
They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul's talking about giving. You're like, yo, you're seriously going to have one Sunday where you talk about politics and money. Dang! They're like, alright, I get it. Like, I get it. Like, this is like, probably feels over the top. But here, hear me out. Uh, a, uh, we're never going to shy away from talking about uh, what we believe Jesus desires that we talk about. And, and we're never going to shy away from explaining the scripture in a way that is hopefully meaningful. And know this, okay? Uh, I'm never going to preach to you without preaching to myself first. Uh, this isn't just a message for you, this is a message uh, for us. But I think that it's an important one. And one that I think is worth us talking about. Paul celebrates them, praises them, thanks them, is grateful for them because of their generous giving. But it all hinges on verse 17. You see, Paul's like, look, I've got everything that I need. And so I hope that you will continue to be generous. I hope that you will continue to give towards the kingdom of God. Why? Not so that Paul can get, like, a new jet. Not so that Paul can get, like, his chains, like, you know, golded out. That's a sweet Oh, that's not a good joke. Not so that Paul can get some new kicks. Not so that Paul can get some more in his 401k. Paul's like, look, I want you to continue to be generous because I know that my God will add it to your account. Those of you that give to TLC, look, we're, we're just over two years old. God's done some crazy cool stuff in our midst in these last two years. Uh, some of you sitting here right now, God has changed and transformed your life. And, and, and that all comes back to one of the realities that you guys have been generous. You guys are generous in your giving. And that makes me excited. That, that makes me want to say thank you. And, and, pray. and look, I'm not talking about giving because I, my paycheck's going to go up or anything. Like, that's not going to happen. I'm talking about giving because when you give and you give generously, God adds it to your account. And there are rewards in this life and the one to come. But for those of you that have given to TLC, I just want to say thank you. And I want you to know something, that all of the people's lives who've been transformed in this church that are growing more and more into the image of Christ, who have gone from death to life, who have taken steps forward in their faith, that gets added to your account. To the kids right now that are being told about Jesus and loved on in Jesus' name, the reason that's able to happen in this building is because of your generosity. That gets added to your account. To the high school students who spent time this past week learning how to listen to God, learning how to engage in His Word, falling in love with Jesus as a result of being in that environment, that happens because of your generosity. And friends, I promise you, that gets added to your account. To the teachers and students and families at Kenoshay that we've been able to bless over the last two years, to engage with and care for and let them know that uh, the world has not forgotten them, 
that we still love and care for them, that Jesus has a plan for them, that we're going to serve them, though they have nothing to give us in return. It doesn't matter. We're going to continue to bless and serve and give generously to them. That gets added to your account. Uh, Pastor Pana in Indonesia, or excuse me, in Cambodia, Pastor Sandi in Indonesia, the churches that they're growing, the people that they're baptizing, people that had at one point either claimed no faith or were Buddhist or were Muslim that have turned to Jesus and found healing and wholeness and freedom and forgiveness in Christ's name. That's happened because of your generosity, and God adds that to your account. I want you to be generous. I want you to be givers. Uh, it's not really ours anyway. Everything we have comes from God, and so when we give, we're just saying, God, I'm returning a portion of what you've entrusted to me. Uh, I've never been able to outgive God. I just haven't. Brenda and I have been faithful in our giving uh, from before we were even married. A and we continue to. I I'm, I'm hesitant to say that we're generous, if I'm being honest. Okay? Uh, probably most of the world would look at what we give and say, no, 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 you're really generous. But if I know my own heart, uh, I, don't know, I don't know that I'm actually super generous. I want to be more. Why? Because I know that it gets added to my account. God has been so good and so gracious, so kind. And I want to return to Him. I want to invest in the things that matter, things that are going to last beyond this life. Who's paying attention to the account? Verse 19 says, God is paying attention, right? Because He reminds the Philippians, and remember, the Philippians, they were not in as good a situation as we are huge persecution. They were not a wealthy church sitting in a wealthy area. They did not have that much. Their options were limited, and yet they were generous. And he reminds them, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. You can't outgive God. He's rich. He is rich. Owns the cattle on a thousand hills. So that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Owns the bedrooms in a thousand garages. Maybe that makes more sense. Right? <laughs> the point is, God knows who you are. God knows what you need. And you will never be more generous than God will be to you. End of sermon two. Sermon three. So uh, I, I talked to you about that secret, right? that delicious hot fun sauce that I never got from secret recipe. Well, Paul actually wants to talk about a secret that he's found. And it's so important to Paul that he actually wants to uh, not just keep it to himself, he wants to share it with us. So uh, look with me back in verse 10. He says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. In other words, he knows that they have been caring about him, but they haven't had a way. We don't know exactly why they didn't have a way, Either they didn't have somebody who could bring the money, or times had just been really hard, maybe the last couple of years for them, and they just didn't have any extra to be able to give, but he knew that they cared about him. He's like, look, I know that you cared about me, and I know you wanted to show it. He says, and, and, and now you've been able to, and, and I rejoice greatly in the Lord for that thing. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. Now, what's Paul in need? Yeah, he probably, I mean, he's in a Roman jail, okay? 
So I'm not, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content with whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And now he shares the secret. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And I don't know how Facebook knew that I was teaching on this passage, but all of a sudden I started getting ads for this shirt. Is that, can we put it up on the back screen? Uh, go back. No, not that one. I'll look at my gains. Oh, we don't have it. Okay, just give me Gino. It's, uh, it's from a, a company called Active Faith. All right, and I'm sorry, like, if you got the shirt, I didn't see anybody on today, so I'm not calling anybody out. Uh, but it just says, I can do all things. And then on the back it says, through Christ. And every single picture is like dudes weightlifting, okay? <laughs> and like, I'm like, look, I, this is one of those times where it feels like, like, like scripture is just kind of getting exploited, right? And we all hear so many people, right? How many people do you know that got a Philippians 4.13 tattoo, Right? I can do all things. Maybe you do, and let me explain to you why it's a great tattoo to have and why you should not be ashamed of it, but why you should use it in its proper context, okay? Philippians 4.13 is not so that you can get shredded in the gym, okay? That, that's not, it's not so you can do that great sales pitch and crush it. it, it it's not so that you can do great uh, uh, in your job or that your garden's going to grow. Like, I can do all things, scream thumb, okay? Like, that's not the, the point. The point, the secret of being content that Paul wants to share with us is a really obvious secret. Uh, there was an episode of Friends, the TV show from back in the day. Uh, I think it's called Phoebe Makes Cookies. Uh, you can see, I think there's a picture uh, of it up there. And um, Monica and Chandler, I think, uh, got engaged. And everybody thought they had to give them an engagement gift. So Phoebe was trying to think what she could give to Monica. And Monica loves food. And so Monica said, I want your grandma's secret chocolate chip cookie recipe. And she's like, it's a secret. My grandma said I would have to go to the grave with it. And Monica just says, but I really want it. And Phoebe's like, okay. And so she goes to get it for her. And she finds out that uh, her mom, who had it, the only recipe, or I don't remember exactly how it happened, the only recipe that they had written down uh, was in a fire and burned up. And all she had left was a single chocolate chip cookie that she had baked and frozen. And so they decided they were going to slowly eat the chocolate chip cookie and try to figure out what was in it. Uh, and uh, then Joey comes in uh, and he eats like half the chocolate chip cookie and they get mad at him and he runs out. Gone. And Monica's saying to Phoebe, Phoebe, you've got to think, like, she's like, is there anybody else that might know? She's like, we can't figure it out. And she's like, well, my, my grandma said it was her mom, my great-grandma from France, who first had it. And she said, uh, she's like, well, what was her name? Maybe, maybe there's somebody else in the family that has it. Maybe we can track this down. She said, well, her name was Nestle Toulouse. <laughs> and Monica looks at her and says, Nestle Toll House? <laughs> She's like, you Americans always butcher the French language. 
and she throws her bag, and on the back of that bag of chocolate chips is the secret recipe. You see, sometimes the secret recipe is not so secret after all, and that's exactly what it is here. You see, the secret of contentment is not secret. The secret of contentment is simple. The secret of contentment is Jesus. You're like, that's too simple. No, like that's, that, that's what Paul says. like, look, man, I know what it's like to have plenty. And like, we get it. Americans, we know what it's like to have plenty. Look, look, I, you probably can't remember the last time that you went hungry for an entire day because you couldn't afford any food and it was not available to you. My, my guess is there's probably very few people in this room that have ever experienced that and probably none in this room that have experienced it in the last month. We know what it's like to have plenty. But I'm also very aware that we lack, as Americans, a lot of other things. Now, some of you, uh, you're going to go home today, and you're not going to probably see another person for the rest of the day. And you feel lonely. Some of you are in jobs that uh, you know you weren't created to do. And it feels hopeless and helpless. Uh, some of you are in situations with health issues that you have no control over, and you feel like you're in loss. Some of you, uh, you want to be married, and you're not yet. Uh, some of you are married, and it's not what you thought it was going to be. You see, we know what it's like to live in plenty because we have plenty all around us. When it comes to material things, but there are other things, emotional things, spiritual things, that we, uh, as Americans, often find ourselves in want. And the question comes back to, uh, how do we find contentment? And Paul has a very simple answer. It's like on the back of the chocolate chip cookie man. He's like, look, you want to know the secret of being content? How to flourish when you have plenty and in want? He says, it's Jesus. It's just Jesus. Uh, Paul goes on to explain that he can do all of these things through Christ who gives him strength. He's like, look, it's not because of how great I am. It's not because of, like I just have a great mental outlook or I'm a generally positive person or I'm upbeat all the time. He's like, look, there are times when I'm really, really struggling. But if I have Jesus, that's better than anything else. That's more than anything else. Jesus changes everything. I believe that because I've experienced it. Paul understands that when you fall in love with Jesus, your value system changes. The, the things that you care about. Now, I'm not saying that life all of a sudden gets easy. It, it doesn't. In fact, in many ways, following Jesus, especially in America, actually makes your life harder. Truth be told. But I promise you this. Falling in love with Jesus, following Jesus, always makes your life better. Not easy, but better. You know why Paul can talk about joy all throughout this letter? He keeps bringing up this. He's like, I rejoice in this. I rejoice in that. Dudes in prison, chained to another stinky man. All right? I don't know what Roman soldiers had for their, like, hygiene, but I'm guessing it wasn't super strong. Paul's stuck there, but he's rejoicing. Why is he able to rejoice? Because he's got Jesus. Because he's got Jesus. Look, I don't know where you're at today. All right? I don't know how connected you've been to a relationship with Jesus. But here's what I want to offer. Jesus is here right now. 
You've been here the whole time. And she's been talking to you. Right? You're like, nah, I haven't heard anything. Oh, well, that pit you got in your stomach right now, the fact that your mind has been racing about this, the fact that you've actually been taking an inventory in your brain over the last 15 minutes. Like, am I content? Do I know how to live in times when I don't have the things that I thought I would have by this point, or things took a really horrible turn, or things that happened to me, or things that I desire that I don't have yet? Am I content? Can I actually have joy? Can I actually engage joyfully in my life? Or look, that's Jesus speaking to you. And, he, and he's reaching out and he's saying, look, I, I want you to, to know me and know the joy that comes by knowing and following me. And so uh, we're going to end Sermon Greek. And simply all I want to do is offer Jesus to you. I want to offer Jesus to you. Uh, if you're sitting here and you're like, yo, I, I, I've been a Christian for a long time, but quite honestly, I have not been giving all of myself to Jesus. If today is a day you're like, I, I want to give my life to him for the first time, or I'm just saying I need to recommit myself. I want to, re, I want to re-give myself to Jesus uh, I'm just going to ask you, I want to pray for you, and I'm just going to ask you to hold up your hand. We're not closing our eyes. It's going to take some courage. But if that's you today, and you're just like, God's speaking, I, I want to re-engage with my relationship with Jesus. Just hold your hand up so I can see it. I just want to pray for you. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Hey, I, I just, I want to pray because I know that the secret of contentment is not found in what we get or what we don't get. Not found in our circumstances. It's found in an ongoing relationship with Christ who meets us and gives us the strength we need to move forward when things are good and when things are tough. So let's pray together. God, uh, you're here. And thank you for never giving up on us, for continuing to walk with us. God, thank you for... uh, Folks like Paul, who through the power of your spirit wrote down the words that you desire to say to us today, that the secret of contentment is not so secret after all. It's Jesus. So God, for those that maybe need to just recommit themselves, kind of re-up today, that will say, yes, I want more, Jesus, of you. I pray that you would meet them right now. I pray that you would bring people around them that would encourage them in their walk with you to move closer and closer to you. Jesus, we want to follow your pattern, the pattern that you laid out for us, a pattern where you left heaven and everything that it included, and you came down to earth, weak, small. And you took all that you had in heaven, all of your godness, and you spent it on us. You died for us. So that we could know you, so that we could have a relationship with you, so that we could be forgiven. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for that pattern. Let us be people who do that now for others. To follow the pattern of spending our strength, our time, our talent, our treasures on those in need, just like you did for us. Thank you for that pattern. Let us live it out. We love you, Jesus, in your name.